Good morning, Valley Church. Love this new pulpit. It's right up here where my 72-year-old eyes can see everything. Yes, welcome, Bo. So glad to see you here today. Uh, we had an interesting weekend. We lost one of our dear, dear mentors in the Lord, Wayne Nye, and his service was yesterday. If any of you were here for that, we welcome you today to Valley Service. Uh, it was also a very special week in that uh, one of the most influential men in my life had a birthday. Pastor Norm Rutzen is had a birthday this week. Eighty-five years young. And that, uh, to me, is sounding younger every day. <laughs> Saved, healed, and delivered. That's what Jesus came to bring to earth. The gospel of the kingdom of God. That we can be saved, healed, and delivered. Speaking of uh, age, Pastor Kathy and I just recently joined uh, the Senior Center in uh, Meridian, Meridian Senior Center. And uh, it's been interesting to start fellowshipping with some of those folks there at the Senior Center. And I I wondered, what's it going to be like? Because here on the staff, I'm the oldest guy here, other than the Rutsons, who are pastors emeritus. So I go to the Senior Center, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be able to meet some folks my age. So we're sitting at the table having lunch with them, and and the gentleman to the right of me says, Oh, son, how how old are you? And I said, I'm 72. And he says, oh, you're just a young whippersnapper. <laughs> and I said, well, how old are you, sir? And he goes, I'm 92, going on 93. And my friend here is 95. And it felt so good to be the youngest one. <laughs> the youngest one there. But anyway, we've enjoyed our, our time there, getting acquainted with many new people. This past week, they held a seminar there called Caring Transitions. And this may sound a little odd to start the message this way, but Caring Transitions is a company that has decided that there are so many people that are getting older and are retiring, and they are downsizing. And come to find out, when you get a little older, it's a little harder to downsize than you thought it was. And uh, uh, not that... uh, Not that any of us in here have to worry about downsizing because all of us have been taking care of that, right? Every day we throw out things that we don't need. I mean, I can't imagine anyone who would have storage sheds full of stuff. (laughs) Because we should be downsizing. And it was a very interesting seminar. He said, you know, the fact of the matter is that uh, many of us who are what we call uh, in our 60s, 70s, the baby boomer generation came from a generation that stored everything because you never knew if you were going to have something the next day. All right? That's okay. So uh, I can relate to that. My dad, when we moved to a, a new farm, 
uh, had barrels and barrels and barrels of bolts and nuts and washers and dad what are you going to do with all this stuff well you never know when i'm going to need one and sure enough when you're a farmer and you break down in the field son go get me a three eighths uh, sae three inch long and, and and you go well you know if the lowe's was here that would be easy so I'd have to go into the barn and dump these things out and spread them all out and try to find exactly what he was looking for. But those days are kind of going away and one of the things we learn in our seminar is that today's young people are minimalist. Can you say that word, minimalist? Say it fast three times. You know. Okay, you got it. Minimalist, that's kind of hard to say. So we learn that uh, we in America have collected all these things that we think our children probably want. And then when something happens that we pass off the scene or we call our children together and say, look, I've got a garage full of stuff you can have. And they say, sorry, Dad, I, I've already got everything I need. So this seminar was all about how to reduce things to a minimum because the, the more you reduce things to a minimum, the freer you are to move about. So, and you don't have to worry about storage sheds. I probably shouldn't say this, but I learned in this seminar that three-fourths of the storage sheds in America are never reopened and finally go up for sale. And it's like, that's unbelievable. So... I'm thinking about this, and then I'm thinking, now how does this apply to spiritual things? So that's where we're going to go today. How does this apply to spiritual things? Saved, healed, and delivered. Jesus was a minimalist. And you're going to say, what? Jesus was a minimalist? Well, let's think about it. Uh, look at Matthew 6, 19 through 20 and 21. Where he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and dust doth corrupt, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust does not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then Matthew 6.33, Matthew 6.33, I think you could probably all see this by heart. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Uh, furthermore, we're not going to look there, but in Luke 10, he set, sent the 70 out, and he said, now, don't take a purse or a bag or even sandals, when he commanded them to go out to two by two. And then in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, we're just setting the stage here. Jesus declared... Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandments. And the second is like unto the first, love your neighbor as yourself. So basically what was happening at the time of Jesus, there were so many traditions of men that had come up beyond the Ten Commandments and beyond the things that were taught in the Torah that there were over 630 man-made things that you were expected to keep. Now, that is a lot of things to try to, to memorize, right? Or to keep a hold of. 
But Jesus said, no, I, I take everything down and I summarize it in just two things. Love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus was a minimalist. Sometimes we hold on to things that drag us down spiritually. Do you know what a 3D printer is? Ever heard of a 3D printer? Look at the young people. They're putting their hands up. 3D printers. Yeah. Well, if you were to go to the space shuttle, they have just installed, and not the space shuttle, but the ISS, the International Space Station. They have just installed a 3D printer. Now, what is a 3D printer? I see a few young people saying, I know what it is. Okay, a 3D printer is this concept that you can actually take a picture of something and send it to a 3D printer, and over time it starts printing out the picture into an actual item. Now, why is that in the International Space Station? Because if you run out of a part in the International Space Station, it's a little difficult to run to Lowe's. Oh, I thought I'd get that a bigger laugh than that. I mean, you're traveling at 17,000 miles an hour and you're 120 miles up and Lowe's is a long ways away. So what's the concept of a 3D printer? A 3D printer says if something breaks, that you can actually take a picture of it, of it or have the original creation drawing of it and you can actually tell the computer to print out that part and now you have the part that you need in the International Space Station. Well, what has that got to do with spiritual things? Well... This is especially true in the soulish realm. Remember, we're made of a body, soul, and spirit, and the soul is made of our soulish realm, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And sometimes in our soulish realm, there are certain things that begin to hit us emotionally that weigh us down, such as um, uh, stubbornness, or feelings that are completely untrue or outdated and uh, things that tend to drag us down and not allow us to be free. So we're sitting with these older folks at the senior center and we're talking about, of all things, heaven. And somebody says, well, you know, you can't take a U-Haul to heaven. Well, that's true. So what can we take to heaven? What do we want to take to heaven? Somebody tell me, what do we want to take to heaven? Other souls, loved ones, family, those that are precious to us. I hate to tell you, but we're there in heaven. We can't take our cares, our hurts, our habits, our hang-ups, because there's no sighing there. There's no crying there. There's no tears there. So all those things that sometimes we hold on to here have no place there. Amen? Okay. So Jesus really came to establish the kingdom of God. Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. Jesus is in the synagogue. He's speaking on the Sabbath. They hand him one of the Old Testament books. And he stands up and reads, and this is what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, 
because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So when you look at that, Jesus came to set us free from junk. Hello? Amen? Things that oppress us. Things that have, have, have attached themselves to us. Have you ever seen pictures of a whale floating through the ocean? And sometimes you see that barnacles have attached themselves to the whale. And it's like every barnacle that, is, that attaches itself to the whale just slows the whale down that much more. A whale has been designed to slip stream through the water with as much ease as possible. But when those barnacles start getting attached to the whale, it causes a lot of ripple. It causes a lot of emotional problems with the whale because he just can't get where he wants to go as fast as he's used to. So, spiritually, there are things that get attached to us. Sometimes unknowingly. Sometimes some things attached to us because somebody said something to us and, and we didn't think too much about it, but it bothers us in our spirit. Sometimes we wake up in the middle of the night thinking, what was it that that person said? Hmm. And you see, the things that start attaching themselves to our soulish realm, our mind, our will, and our emotions, begin to slow us down spiritually. So, when we're thinking about heaven, is our identity in the things that we've accumulated? Is our identity in the emotional junk that has affixed itself to, us, to ourselves? Will we be remembered by those that we leave behind because of the emotional stuff that was attached to us and they didn't want to be around us because of that emotional stuff? Do some of us have an emotional junk storage shed? Things that, yes, I want to serve the Lord, but you know, there's this storage shed of stuff I got back here. I just have a hard time letting Luke loose of it. Well, that's why Jesus came to set us free. To set those free that are oppressed. Now, what is oppressed? Oppressed is anything that has moved into our spirit that is not of God. That is only there from the enemy to try to slow us down from being all that we can be for the kingdom of God. Now, physical healing is wonderful. We praise God for physical healing. We praise God that we have on Monday nights here healing rooms. We praise God that we pray for people on Sundays. We praise God that on Wednesday mornings we have the most magnificent group of people who come together and pray for this body and pray for healing. Healing is fantastic. Physical, bodily healing is fantastic, but it's not the end. When Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God, he came to establish being saved, being healed, and set free. Amen? Amen. So, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just pray right now that as we go through some scriptures today, that, Lord, you'll see in us, the ability to love you, to put you first, 
and to thank you, Lord, for our physical healing. Thank you, Lord, for our salvation. And to thank you, Lord, for our emotional restoration, that we might be totally free from all oppression. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. There are a couple stories in the Bible that we're going to go to and look at that are, that are examples of what we're talking about today. First of all, let me say, just from a teaching standpoint, remind us that we're all made in the image of God. We are body, soul, and spirit. God manifests himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is very interested in our body, soul, and spirit, and that we are completely whole and well as being led by the manifestations and the working of the Godhead in our lives. So, when we are totally, completely healed, we are giving Christ his full reward. Think about that. Christ came to do all these things for us. And if we don't accept everything that he's doing for us, then we're denying him his full reward. I never want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and dad said, we're going to go to eat out someplace. And, uh, you know, I just loved having a good, big, juicy, I shouldn't say it because it's almost dinner time, right? right. I just loved having a good, big, juicy hamburger. And... How would you feel if you went to there to get this nice, big, juicy hamburger and they bring the French fries, they bring the onion rings, they bring the ketchup, they bring the bun, they bring the mustard, and there's nothing inside? You remember the old, the old advertisement? Where's the beef? If we don't let everything come into our lives that Jesus brought to us, we are denying him his just reward, and it's like, where's the beef? I don't want a hamburger without the hamburger. I don't want the blessings of God without all of the blessings that are mine. I praise God for physical healing. I praise God for salvation, but I want my emotions taken care of. I want my mind restored. I want my mind renewed. I want my will set aside so that I can follow the will of God in everything that I do. Okay, so a couple of stories. These are examples of Jesus having interactions with people so that they could get their full reward as Jesus got his full reward. I'm going to give you a couple Greek words first. Everybody got your Greek dictionaries out in your, in your pens? Now, I'm, very, I'm the world's worst at, at trying to say Greek words. But there are basically three or four Greek words in the New Testament that have been interpreted as healing in the New Testament. And there's over about a hundred of them. And uh, Pastor Lynn asked me if I had a handout today, and I said, I'm sorry I didn't have time to prepare it, but maybe I should give you a handout sometime of the hundred examples of healing in the New Testament and how the the word healing is sometimes interpreted differently. Well, the most common word, Greek word, is iaomai. Everybody say iaomai. 
Yamai. 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 That is physical healing. And most of the times when you're reading through scriptures and you run across the word healing, it's Yamai. And then there is another word that is also used strictly in the New Testament because it's a Greek word and the Greek word is sozo. Everybody said sozo. Sozo is more than just healing the physical body. Sozo, whenever it's used in the New Testament, is, talked, is referred to as total healing of body, soul, and spirit. Amen? So let's look at a portion, portion of Scripture. This is Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. This is from the NIV. When Jesus runs across ten lepers. Those of you who have your Bibles, if you want to follow along, there's a couple words I'm going to point out as we go through this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, this is verse 11, Luke 17. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. By the way, do you all know why he traveled the border between Samaria and Galilee? I heard that. <laughs> Remember that Samaria was considered a nation that were not full Jews, and therefore you couldn't fellowship with them. So a lot of times, if you were traveling from Jerusalem to Galilee, the quickest way was to go through Samaria, but many times you'd skirt Samaria and go up the river. But anyway, he's, he's traveling along this, this area, and as he was going into a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. Now, why were they standing at a distance? They were lepers. What do we know about lepers? They were unclean. Under Jewish law, under a Jewish um, leadership and, and uh, rules that they were to be followed, one of the things that was very clear was that leprosy was very, very contagious. You didn't want to be anywhere around it. If you touch somebody who is a leper, maybe you would become a leper. And leprosy was such an awful thing that leprosy in the Bible is referred to as sin, an example of sin. Because sin, if it gets on you, sometimes can be very contagious. Hello? So all through, all through the scripture, leprosy is likened unto sin. So these ten men are standing back because they're unclean, and there's very strict rules. If you are a leper, you cannot be part of society. Now think about that. They didn't have Samsung phones. They didn't have iPhones either. So they couldn't text. They couldn't FaceTime. Where how how do they see their families? Only from afar off. So if you were a leper, and I want you today to put yourselves in the shoes of the people that we're describing here that Jesus encountered. Imagine what it would be like if you could not talk to your family face to face other than maybe over a hill. How are you? I'm fine. You know. Total, that maybe is a total communication. 
Or if you were a, a teenager, a young person, oh, let's go out and hang out at, I guess we can't go and hang out, can we? Imagine what it would be like to be a young person who found, woke up one morning and found that they were a leper and they could no longer see any of their friends ever again. Imagine being removed from society like that. So, they're standing afar off in verse 13, called out in a loud voice. Why it was it a loud voice? Obviously, they're probably a long ways away from, from Jesus. And they said, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Verse 14. And when he saw them, he said, now this is the authority that Jesus had. He didn't have to touch them. But he had the authority to say to them, go, show yourselves to the priest. See, in Old Testament times, the only way that you could ever get back into society is if you were healed of leprosy and you had to go present yourself to the priest to prove that you were healed of leprosy and then that you can come back into society. And that was the iaumai, that physical healing. Verse 15. Oh, and they said, and as they went, they were cleansed in verse 14. Then verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, the physical healing, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. So here was one of these, one of these men who was already a Samaritan that wasn't allowed to mix with the Jews. He had leprosy. It was the worst case possible that you can think of. And he, when he saw that he was healed, he came and threw himself at the feet of Jesus. Now, understand that if you were a leper, it was pretty easy to understand that you'd been healed because in advanced leprosy, your fingers fell off. Your toes fell off. Your skin turned white. Your ears disappeared. Your nose sometimes just rotted away. And you were constantly in a stench of death. So if you knew that you were relieved from the stench of leprosy, you would know immediately. You know, maybe your toes grew back. Look, I got toes again. I got fingers again. I got ears to hear with again. Wouldn't you run and kneel at the feet of Jesus and give him praise and glory and honor for healing? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And Jesus asked, verse 17, were not there ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner, this Samaritan? Then he said, and this is where you want to underline this word, then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you sozo. The word well there is the word sozo. Rise, because you have been made complete. You have been made whole. Not only are your sins forgiven, not only has salvation come to your house today, not only are you healed, but your soulish realm, your mind, willing, emotions has been completely restored. Yeah. 
The junk, the stuff is gone. Whew. <laughs> Good stuff, amen. He received, are you ready for this? He received the full meal deal. I don't know if you have to write, a notes, write your notes that, but he received the full spiritual meal deal. He received everything that God had for him. He received everything that Jesus came to earth to bring for us as part of the kingdom of God. Now, again, I, I don't know how you are, but Jesus, I want the full meal deal. I want everything. I even want mustard and pickle. Whatever it is, Jesus, that you have for me, I want it all. I don't care if you put sauerkraut on it. I want it all. I want the full meal deal. I want everything that, has, that you have for me to have here. Lord, if you establish it in heaven, I want it established here on earth. Every blessing that you promised, I want to have right here. Healing, yes. Absolutely. Salvation, yes. Praise God. But I want the full meal deal. I want my mind renewed. I want my emotions restored. I want my will to be the will of God. Praise God. There was another person here that Jesus encountered in, back in Mark chapter 5. This story is mentioned in three different verses. It's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This is Mark chapter 5. I find it very interesting, this story in the Bible, because it, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a little story that's sandwiched between two big stories. And sometimes when we're reading the Bible or a book or something, sometimes the little stories get lost. But this is a little story that to me is a huge story. So go with me to Mark chapter 5. <clears throat> Jesus has, has just seen a tremendous miracle of deliverance. We've heard a lot about the Gadarene who was delivered from multiple demons. And many times we hear sermons about that, and then it stops. But after that tremendous miracle, he gets out of the boat, and the word has spread that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Whisper to your neighbor, Jesus is coming. He's the healer. Whisper that to your neighbor. Jesus is coming. He's the healer. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Remember in those days, they didn't have telegraph, television, they had telewoman. I was just checking to make sure you're awake. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And I want you to put yourself in the shoes of this person that we're talking about. This is a story about a woman who for 12 years had been tremendously ill. And under Jewish law, she had an issue of blood. She had some kind of something happening in her body. The Bible does not go into detail. We don't know if it was a female condition or if it was a cancerous skin condition. We just don't know what it was. But under Jewish law, any issue of blood was unclean. 
And here again, like the lepers, somebody who has a constant issue of blood like this is considered unclean and has to be separated. Now, imagine, ladies, what it would be like that you couldn't go to the store while other people were there. The only time you could go to the store was when there was a special hour that you could go when everybody else was gone and get your things. Uh, I'm sorry, they didn't have Albertson's Marketplace. You couldn't call Walmart and have it delivered. Life was completely different. And imagine, too, that here's a woman, that to me, she, she probably also had a family, and she's probably hearing stories about, oh, your daughter just had a baby, and, and we'd love for you to get to see the baby, but you have this issue of blood, so I'm sorry, you can't come into the tent. Are you feeling it? Are you feeling the depravity, the loneliness, the hurt that she was going through? Let's read. Starting with verse 21 in Mark 5. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name, and seeing him, fell at his feet, and besought him, saying, My little daughter is at a point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he, Jesus, went with him. Now, I want you to get the picture. Jesus has gotten off the boat. He's starting to walk, just following the leading of whatever his heavenly father said to do. And suddenly, a ruler of the synagogue, a Jewish leader, comes running up to him. We don't know if he was a Pharisee. We don't know if he was a Sadducee. We don't know what he was. But, He obviously was so interested in his daughter being healed that he could care less about the traditions of men, the traditions of religion. He could care less about a religious spirit. He was going to find Jesus, the man who was not politically correct. Did you know that Jesus was not politically correct? Remember, Jesus is the one that said those 630 rules. Two. Love the Lord thy God and your neighbor as yourself. A minimalist. So he's surrounded by all these people, and there's a crush of people around him. I mean, he's the rock star of his day. No, he's not a rock star, he is the rock. Hello? Jesus is the rock. And as the rock, gathered people around him. I don't like the term rock star. That's that's a different different picture that I want to go to. But Jesus was the rock. And people were gathered to him because they knew that he was the healer. And people wanted physical healing. And here is a man, Jairus, who is so excited about, "It's, it's, 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 it's the Jesus. He's here. He's, he's in my town. Oh, oh i gotta, I got to go to him right now. And since Jairus was so very well known, there was probably a lot of people who gathered around Jairus too. Yes, you, you've got to go. You've got to go take care of Jairus' daughter. Let's read on. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. 
And there was a woman who had a flow of blood, origin of blood, for 12 years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. Over 12 years' time, she had visited probably ultimate, multiple, multiple, multiple doctors of the day, and each time she got worse. And she got to the point where she, all of her money was gone. No hope. All hope was gone. Despair, oppression, depression. Verse 27. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now other versions say touched the hem of his garment. Um, in my Jewish Bible that I have in my office, it said he, she touched his prayer shawl. The point is that she was so desperate. This was her last desperate chance to get healed. That she could care less about the people around her. She could care less about how people had treated her. She could care less about the fact that she had spent all the money that she had. All she wanted was Jesus and to touch Jesus because she had faith. If I could just touch his garment, I'll be healed. And this is what happens. Verse 27 she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Verse 28, where she said, If I touch even his garments, I shall be made well. Verse 29, And immediately the hemorrhage ceased, and she felt in her body that she was healed with her disease. I mean, it was immediate. Just like the lepers, you would know that you were healed. You know, there's something about an issue of blood that has a smell, and probably the smell was immediately gone. You know, when the presence of God comes in, the presence of the smell of evil leaves. And when the presence of God comes in, it's a sweet, savory smell that comes in that replaces it. So I really believe that there was many things that she sensed, and one of them was probably the sweet smell of the glory of God that was now upon her that brought her healing. And this is what happened. Verse 30, and Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone forth from him, he immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched me? Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had been done to her came in fear and trembling, and just like the leper, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now notice what he says. He calls her what? Daughter. Daughter. That denotes family. Oh, Jesus. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Jesus bodily. Jesus, the full Godhead, recognizes me as a daughter. Can you imagine the emotion that welled up within her at that time? And he says, he said, her daughter, your faith has made you well. 
that word underline is sozo. You have been completely made well. Body, soul, and spirit has been completely made well. She got the full meal deal. Go in peace and be healed, I am I, of your disease. So she had suffered for years, and suddenly she's completely healed. Now, to me, I want to point out a couple things here. The word daughter speaks of family. It speaks of acceptance. It speaks of love, caring. A daughter speaks to me of tenderness, mercy, grace. Not just some woman, but a daughter, a special person. So to God in flesh, she was a human being. She was precious. She was, she was the best that God could give her. I, I like to put it this way. Listen to this now. Just close your eyes for a moment and just listen to what can now happen with her. She can now go back home. She's now physically healed, both inside and out. Her heart, her body, her mind, her emotions, and her spirit are all healed. The brokenness is all gone. The bitterness is all gone. The pain and suffering are all gone. Her mind is clear. The spirit of life is back. She feels like living once again. The joy of living has been restored. She is a new person in Christ Jesus. I've asked a couple ladies to be prepared to share a testimony today about Sozo. Heather, could you join us up here? I have a microphone ready for you. This is Heather. Everyone greet Heather. I can say many things about Heather. First of all, I love her like my own daughter. Did you hear that word, daughter? In the family of God, we love one another. Amen? Uh, she's also an accomplished counselor. Has just moved up in another whole notch in that whole world. Uh, Heather is also a student here at the Valley School of Supernatural Ministry. She's a wife, a mother, counselor, but unfortunately she suffered uh, a serious accident, had undergone an operation and was in tremendous pain. And we've been praying for her. You've seen some real miracles in your life. And then one day you decided to come and experience here at Valley Church our new expanded ministry of inner healing. And tell us what happened. You would think with all those accomplishments, I would have figured this out a decade or so ago. Um, It's been a journey, and my whole life is a testimony, but I'll focus on the last four months, um, specifically to my experience with the healing ministries. Um, (laughs) I did, like Pastor Rich was saying, I was in a car accident in December, and I broke my L4 and L5 vertebrae. 
and it came at a bad time for me uh, because I thought I was through all this suffering and trials and tribulations and all that, you know. Um, heard really recently in one of our BSSM videos that, you know, we go to, from glory to glory, but it can be hell in the hallway. I lived my whole life in that hallway and I was done. Um, and so I continued to believe in miracles. I'd never seen one in my personal life. Um, and I was released from the hospital after a few days and I was told I would not need surgery, that my back would heal on its own. And I was in a lot of pain, um, but I, you know, I was believing for that. And you know, at, at one point, about three weeks after the accident, my pain did all go away. It, it was gone. And I remember talking to Pastor Lynn about it. And he said, you know, I was healed. I don't need to have surgery. At that point, they were recommending surgery. And I said, I don't need to have it. Um, and I was cautioned at that point to keep my mind and my body and my spirit and my soul all in alignment. And I thought I was, I did my best, um, but I lost that healing. And I didn't understand why at the time. I figured it out, but I didn't understand why. Um, and so I went through and I had a surgery and I was not physically healing. Um, the doctors were telling me, you're good, you're solid, everything's fine, your back looks great. You have no reason to be in pain anymore. And that was both good and bad because I didn't want them to tell me that I was permanently disabled, but I was very much not okay. Um, and I was at that point where I thought I was going to have to apply for disability. Um, trying to work, trying to counsel. It's really hard to counsel people when you are not doing well. And so um, about three weeks, actually, actually exactly three weeks ago, I, it's really hard to admit, but I decided... I was done with God, I was done with the church, and I was done with everything within that realm. Because if I was going to continually go through all these trials and tribulations with no relief, why bother? And again, at that time, I didn't understand, you know, how I can count those trials as joy. And, you know, so I told my husband, I said, I'm done, I'm not going to church, you know, it's kind of pointless. And he said, well, don't you want to go for your kids? I said, no, you know, don't you want to go for healing? No you know, very, very dark. And he's like, well, do you still believe in your pastors? And I said, yeah, of course. And he's like, well, then you can still go. And, <laughs> and I couldn't really argue with that one. I was like, oh, okay, okay. So I went, and of course, you know, we have an amazing church here in the presence of Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit is very, very, very strong. And I absolutely broke down. And what I realized... <laughs> was what I had disguised as um, low self-esteem, humbleness. It was really shame and a subtle form of pride where what I believed was if, if y'all truly knew me, if people truly, truly knew me, I would not be worthy of love. I mean, that, that's the core of shame. It's very different than guilt. And I walked in that and I lived in that. And I sat and wondered why my life kept falling apart when I built my foundation on those dark fruits. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to give in the, throw in the towel, I have nothing else to lose. And so I'm going to lay it all down the, on the line. You know, I'm going to tell these people, these godly people that I'm trying to um, <laughs> probably keep face with the whole truth. You know, and that's a truth that included 
addiction in every form, um, physical violence towards myself and others, um, just <laughs> for a licensed clinical social worker in second year in VSSM, I have really carried a lot of dark fruits. And I, you know, held on to them like I owned them in some way. And that's very, very against what the Bible says. Um, and so I was able to set up an appointment with the Inner Healing Ministries with a wonderful person named Lena and Donna. And Lena is right here. She's in, in the blue here in the third row. And, and, and I would highly recommend if you ever need any sort of deliverance to do it through the healing ministries. Because I set this up. And again, I was, I was done. I was like, what do I have to lose? And so it came in and she walked me through a deliverance, um, which was really simple compared to what I thought it would be. It was all about me figuring out where Christ was during all those heartbreaks, during all those bad experiences, you know, starting from the ground up. Um, and I realized he was there all along. Um, so my story doesn't end at the physical healing. I was absolutely physically healed that day. Amen. Like, gone. All the pain gone. was gone. Pain gone. And, uh, you know, that was, you know, two weeks ago Thursday, and I woke up that Friday, I felt great, I felt amazing, work was so easy, and then I woke up Saturday, and I was like, oh, I hurt, I need pain medication, I need to numb out somehow, and I called one of my peers in VSSM and talked it through, and what I realized is my body was healed, but my mind was not, and that's exactly why I lost my healing the first time. Because I did not have my spirit in the driver's seat with my mind and my body in line. And so we hear stories all the time where you, people get healed and then they come back and they have the same sickness. And it's very much because we have to renew the mind. Um, <laughs> and I got to, I'd lost my faith. And of course, you know, God is very hilarious in my life. I got to teach a class in BSSM on steadfast faith that week. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh, no, I've never had steadfast faith. You know, that faith that does not waver no matter your circumstance. And it was kind of like there was this eight-day period where everything was transformed. And I realized that all those trials and all those tribulations, I mean, it, God probably felt so frustrated at times because he's like, I'm showing you how to be steadfast, how to hold strong through the storm. And you're continually going off here. And so I'm sure my journey's not done, um, but I know how to keep the spirit in line now. Um, and all I would really encourage everyone is, is, is this church is not like most churches. You are not going to be judged. You are not going to be kicked out. You're not going to be told that you're not good enough or not doing it well enough. Like, if you need help, ask for it, because we have amazing pastors. And I'm just so grateful to finally um, understand who Jesus is. And I don't hurt anymore. So good. Praise God. I think you need to stand and applaud for Jesus. Stand and applaud for Jesus. Stand and applaud for Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Go ahead and be seated. Pam Gravette. Pam Gravette. Pam has been one of our spiritual warriors here at Valley Church. The truth be told, 
between Pam and her sister Patty, they're the ones who really run the church here. <laughs> but Pam has been, has been through VSSM. She has been part of our Monday night healing rooms ministry. Uh, she has been, you know, she's here every week doing things that a lot of people don't understand. That How do all these things get done? Well, she doesn't. But she recently had a situation where she was diagnosed with cancer. And I went Friday. For nice, a and, nice and close. I, I went Friday for a CT scan. And then I went Monday, and the CT scan shows the cancer is gone. <laughs> yes. And they said that I have, because of this medicine, they said that I've got fluid around my heart. But I know that's nothing for God. Amen. I totally trust him. And I'm just, I just want to just thank everybody for keeping me in their prayers. But God is your answer. God wants you to stand and to trust him in all, everything that you're going through. God is your answer. God is your healer. And so just keep your faith. Because that's what I do. And I praise him every day. And I will always stand and claim that he is my Lord and Savior. Because God could have took me two years ago. But I am still here today because God is not done with me. When you go to the doctor and you're at a 2.6, that is all the blood that is in your body. And that God sustained me through that. So don't give up. <laughs> he is amazing. <laughs> All right, stay right there. Praise God. Hallelujah. Cancer free. Glory. Glory. If you want the full meal deal, I would suggest you come to this altar right now. <laughs> The glory of God is here. Yes. Faith is here. Miracles is here. The yes. full meal deal is here. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Are these the only folks that want the full meal deal? <laughs> you want more of God? You want more than physical healing? You want more than salvation? You want everything that God has for you? Praise God. You want your mind restored? You want your mind renewed? You want your emotions healed? You want the barnacles to fall off? You want the junk to go away? You want the, the false lies that have come against you over the years to drop off? Praise God. Praise God. Raise your hands right now. We're going to ask Pam to pray for all of us right now. In the name of Jesus. Father God, I just come before you right now, Lord. I give you all the honor, all of your praise, all of your glory. Father, you are so worthy. And Father God, I ask you right now to bless each and every one of your children that is in this place, Father God, with the healing touch, the healing virtue of your love your peace, your presence, and your joy, Father God, to fill up each soul, to take away all of the hurts, Father, just completely 
make him just a new transformation father god let let your presence be known in each person father every boy every girl man and woman father god that they are just restored they are made whole in you father reveal yourself to each and every person father god that they would see themselves through your eyes not their own they would see the person that they are created to be and i declare and i decree right now each and every person will step into their destinies father god and they will not be short of anything father god they will all come to their full purpose up on this planet and i just bless each and every one in jesus mighty name so heavenly father we pray for those that are oppressed right now one of the things that we do when we're dealing in spiritual warfare and inner healing there's something going did you feel that Summoning the presence. Summoning the healing. Summoning the full meal deal. Everything that God has for you, you can receive right now. Praise God. This is a time to say, Lord, I'm falling at your feet. I want everything. <laughs> Lord, I want to be in full fellowship with the Godhead. Lord, I want to be in full fellowship, full understanding of everything that you've done for me. I receive it now in the name of Jesus. Say it with me right now. I receive it now. I receive it now. I receive healing. I receive restoration. I receive renewal of mind. I receive all the love that heaven can bestow. And I thank you, Jesus. And I receive it now in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. If you have to leave, and I know there's some children that need to be picked up, feel free to leave. But I think there's a lot of you here right now that probably just want to kneel before the king and say yes Jesus I thank you for all I thank you for all I thank you for all